need to uh, spend a lot of money uh, on marketing. This segment draws inspiration from some of Uganda's practicing marketers, inventions and creative projects across all sectors that share stories and change brand narratives. Shout out to Zakmo Abdurrahman for working on this audio. You are doing the most. Thank you. Hello, everybody. You know I get so excited when I bring marketers on. And there's so many things that make this segment, the marketing segment, very interesting. And today is no exception. We'll be talking about delivering agile and scalable tourism experiences with digital and today we have Charlotte. Her second name is very hard to pronounce, so I'll let her introduce herself. But we have Charlotte. She says uh, the locals gave her Nagawa. She's a seasoned tourism consultant, digital marketer, and trainer. That's why I found that that was very interesting for her to be on here. So if you haven't already, you need to check out her blog, Diary of Muzungu. It's so good. You should check it out. Now, before we get started, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on anything. So hi, Charlotte. Welcome to the podcast. How do they pronounce your other name? Beauvoisin. Beauvoisin. Is that like French or English? It is French, yeah. Um, the story goes that my great, great, great grandfather was French um, yeah. and it means uh, beautiful neighbor. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, did, I didn't want to butcher that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Charlotte Bouwaza, <laughs> I hope I passed that. So, why don't you tell us briefly about yourself, bring us up to speed on what's happening in the tourism ecosystem since the second lockdown. Okay, oh, thanks very much for the intro, Aggie, and thank you for welcoming me to your podcast. This is very exciting to be here with you live. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, my name is uh, Charlotte, but uh, Bampita Nagawa. Lots of people know me as Nagawa, not even Charlotte, which is fun. Um, yeah. And that's because when I, I'd been here a, a year or two when a, a tour guide friend of mine said, I know how much you love Uganda. I know you want to stay here. So you have to have a Chiganda name. So he baptized me as we were on safari one day. So, yeah, so I've been here uh, 12 years, I guess, 12 years, 13 years. And uh, it's been a real roller coaster ride. And of course, the last two years have been. I guess it's just been a whole other level. Um, but now we're trying to get back to work in tourism and um, reorganise ourselves and start promoting again actively. I mean, well, there is a lot going on. Domestic tourism is quite exciting now. It's really taken off, hasn't it? And it was starting to pick up a bit about three or four years ago. But with the pandemic, domestic is, um, you know, is, is what we're talking about now, domestic and regional tourism. So that's really nice that um, domestic has its moment. Uh, although there are a lot of challenges. Um, some people think, you know, you can just replace an international tourist with a domestic tourist, but actually Ugandans, want, you know, you want completely different things when you travel. You want to be in groups. Uh, yeah. You want to make noise. You want to have food. You want prices. The pay, we earn a lot of forex from uh, international tourism opposed to domestic tourism. And like for, I, I think for Ugandans, everything is almost subsidized from the hotels to the trips themselves. So I don't think the country is making any much money than it used to. No, it's not. Um, in the past, international tourism was the number one foreign revenue earner for Uganda. 
um, say to, to 2019, um, and that was forecast to grow and grow, and and it will resume. You know, we we will get back to that point, I'm sure, and that's certainly the aim. But um, but you're right. No, Ugandans tourists don't spend anywhere near as much as international tourists do. But you know, it's a bit of money that's keeping people in jobs and keeping people focused because a lot of people have left their businesses. You know, tour operators they literally closed the doors. They gave up the office space. They've been working from home. Um, although a lot of them were doing other activities, they were farming, for example. So a lot of skills are rusty. People are not, you know, they're not thinking like they used to do. In, you know, they're not. Their business mind is, you know, gone elsewhere. So we we have a challenge on our hands getting back to work and and retraining and reskilling. So uh, as much as we're not earning as much from Ugandan tourists, at least we're keeping busy. Um, at least we're keeping people in the national parks, which uh, reduces the poaching a bit because poaching really increased uh, during lockdown. So um, there are lots of benefits from, from domestic tourists being there, but it, it really requires a rethink because, um, you know, when I, when I go to a lodge, like in a remote area, I like something rustic. I like the fact it's a thatch and I don't mind if like a bat flies in the, in the, in the room because for me that's wildlife. I like being close to nature. But mm. Ugandans will say, well, but why isn't it tiled? Where's the TV? You know, we have very different expectations when we travel. So with that in mind, um, you, people think, oh, you can just replace the international with the Uganda. But actually, it's not like that. You have to invest in a whole other way. It still costs money to attract mm. Ugandan tourists. So you, we've really been learning. So why don't you take us back on how you started into marketing? I started in London many years ago. I had a temp job. I, I My first degree was in politics, but I, um, I didn't actually want to be in politics. Um, and then I had various admin jobs. I was doing temp jobs yeah. and um, just just kind of looking for, for what it was that I really wanted to do. And I landed up in the marketing department of a company that it was quite small, but it was bought by a much bigger company. And I ended up working with the marketing director, rebranding the company. And we had a thousand staff, 50 shops. We had seven different sub brands. And then suddenly I was part of this massive rebranding. So, and which was really exciting. I just learned on the job how to do all about logo design, um, about brand guidelines, um, how to write corporate kind of newsletters and things. Um, and I just kind of fell into marketing and ended up really enjoying it. And so I did that for several years in London. Then I did a Chartered Institute of Marketing professional diploma, which is mm. one of the best things I've ever done. And I highly recommend it. I know quite a few Ugandans studied it in Kampala. How did you end up in Uganda? Well, I, I'd always had this dream of living in Africa since I was a kid. Yeah. And um, and I wanted to kind of do something meaningful with my life. I, I, I did the corporate thing, the nine to five, and it was great. And I got lots of skills and lots of training. And I had a really nice career, but uh, I wanted to travel more. And, and uh, so I decided to be a volunteer with voluntary service overseas, and um, which was used to be part of the international development uh, branch of the British government. But they have volunteers from all over the world. You have Ugandan VSOs, Kenyan VSOs. Mm. Um, and we are professionals who share our skills as volunteers, which means oh. you, you're on a local wage. Yeah. working with a local organization so I, I came here doing that for two years wasn't it like international volunteer day like two days ago or today maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually sure 
Yeah, I insist on that one. If you were hiring, what kind of qualities would you be looking for in like a marketer to work in the travel space? You've got to be a good communicator. You've got to be confident. You've got to be willing to ask questions and Mm -hmm. learn and research. Um, You've got to be good with feedback, with criticism. Uh, Those are probably general things that you could say for any candidate, the right candidate. But a marketing person, yeah, communication skills are particularly important. Um, Whether you're talking or you're writing, you've got to have good English, of course. Um, Yeah, and you've got to practice, practice, practice. um, Yeah. It's it's evolving all the time, isn't it? Um, and with travel, I feel like Uganda is getting bigger all the time because we are, you know, there are more hotels and lodges, there are more activities. We now have more markets. We used to, you know, we used to promote ourselves to like America and and Europe, but now we have regional t- tourists. We have tourists from Russia, for you know, even from from Asia, Dubai. Um, so you know, you have to, you, you still have to keep on learning yeah. and. Um, so it's, it's exciting times, actually, for yeah. tourism in Uganda. How would you link that to your trainings that you provide for um, tour guides? Well, I, I've promoted various different subsectors of tourism in Uganda. So I've worked with Tour Guides Forum Uganda. I've worked with Uganda Wildlife Authority Tourism Wardens. So they're the they're the guys in the national park who work with tourists rather than do than, than catch the poachers. Um, and then I also work with lodges and hotels and tour operators. And I try and give them the basic skills for, you know, doing a check in on Facebook, um, thinking about writing a blog. Um, and a lot of these people, the, the guides and receptionists, these, you know, let's say junior staff, the non-management staff are really important because they're the ones who get the feedback, who meet the customers, who get the great stories. Um, so I try to empower them show them how to take a photograph and when you know when you see a happy customer what do you say to them to encourage them to go to TripAdvisor or Google and write some positive words about your business because that's free marketing you can't beat um, that kind of review uh, word of mouth marketing is uh, is is what digital you know is morphed into digital marketing so um so yeah teach them the basics Mm. um Facebook Instagram a little bit of Twitter YouTube um, and just the importance of digital Mm. And it's very important what you say about reviews. Like oftentimes if someone wants to go check out a place, they're definitely going to search it and guess what's going to come up? A review about a client that, you know, enjoyed their time or absolutely hated it. So yeah, it's very important for people to review, which is not very common for us. It's not, it's not our thing to sort of review. It's not our thing. (laughs) go along and and we'll be so mad at the at the food or at the service but then we'll go on and tell everybody else but just not review it so yeah that's that's something we should um emulate and and what else what else were you talking about but it but it's interesting what you're saying uh, culturally um how ugandans aren't yet used to reviewing or giving feedback to the owner but but i have noticed a change so google reviews are, are becoming much more of a thing now in uganda but also if you use you know uber or safe border they do ask you for feedback on the driver don't they so i think that's slowly coming into the culture here in uganda yeah. um, but what i say what i say to my the, the tour operators who work with international clients is on that side say in the uk we use reviews a lot like if i buy something whether it's a book or a pair of trousers um online i immediately get an email saying how is that experience so international travelers 
really rely on reviews and they're actively looking for reviews when they're booking their safari. So, so we need to um, understand that and um, and have that as part of our marketing strategies. Yeah, uh, you're, you're completely right. And I know at the start you talked about we need a reapproach, and now you talk of strategies. How about you tell us a few travel business strategies that uh, small SMEs or just business owners, hotels, um, people who want to get into the industry can um, adopt to or bring on board so that they can recover from the second lockdown? Yeah, well, I think now is the time for us to get serious about our online presence because we've all had a lot of time off. And and, and I know that I, I can you know, completely lost my mojo at one point. And I, ideally, I had all this time to update my blog, but I just didn't have it in me, you know, because I just thought, oh, what's the point? Um, so we've all been through that. But, you know, the end is in sight. You know, we have to believe that um, yeah. more and more of us are getting vaccinated. And it sounds like the latest strain of the virus is is hopefully, like, not as strong as previous waves. So, you know, I, I think we're nearing the end of all the uh, travel upsets that we have so mm. yeah so now it's time to get focused and get planning and, and update your website and and quite thoroughly the challenge is that a lot of people have just copy and pasted other people's like ideas and content and and that kind of thing and the industry is growing there are new people coming on board there's more competition particularly after covid like everyone wants to make up for the money that we've lost so you know, you need to think seriously about what your offer is and what your unique selling points are, because we can't all sell the same thing because then because what happens is we end up competing on price and that devalues the offer. Mm. Um, so, yeah, now's the time to really think about how you're unique from your competitors. And it could be something really niche like, you know, and I met one guy who hadn't really thought about Uganda as a holiday destination, but he's really crazy about waterfalls. So he, he would come here just for Murchison Falls, for Sippy, for, you know, Sizibwa, um, or he might go to any other country in the world. So there are people looking for really niche activities. And we have some really amazing things in this country, you know, beyond gorillas, beyond safaris and so on. So um, so we need to take time to think about our unique offers, but also who are our customers? Really think hard about they are because who they are, because we, um, we 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 tend to have a like a one size fits all approach, whereas you can have you can run a very profitable business by targeting a small section of people and, and looking after them well. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of noise on social media from travel companies, but um, few people are doing really good quality updates mm-hmm. um, and there tends to be like a lot of repetition of the same kind of content yeah. um so yeah and it's just going down to the basics you know like what do you stand for um do you come across in the same way on um on, on facebook on your website um mm-hmm. your profiles on instagram are you saying the same thing are you consistent are you using interesting and relevant hashtags mm-hmm. you know it takes time to get those basics right but if you want to be professional you need to to have a look at those things i mean there's there are websites there are tour operator websites that have you know links to google like google plus i mean that died a death three years ago or something <laughs> we have fax numbers hello we have <laughs> po box numbers hello <laughs> come on you know let's you know let's do a bit of spring cleaning mm-hmm. um and uh, you know invest in ourselves and and you know you don't need to uh spend a lot of money uh on marketing everything you want to know is on google on youtube you know just just google some stuff there's lots of free resources out there absolutely absolutely and to the challenges will come to that but um 
you just mentioned about how you miss um, blogging. I just wonder what what's the most rewarding part of being a travel blogger? Why do you miss it well, now? You haven't done it in a while. Well, it's got to be the trips, of course. Um, yeah, I, I, I was in, invited to uh, cafe, the new cafeteria in Arena Mall today, which was absolutely fantastic. And uh, that's because I'm actually... Which one? Arena Mall. Arena Mall, it's the new one on Insambia Road. Okay. Yeah. Next to Mestil Hotel. So that that's got a real wow factor. So um so that was that was really nice. Um I've had um really incredible experiences. Uh, I've been dolphin watching, gorilla tracking uh, several times. I've been in a hot air balloon safari um in the Masai Mara. So yeah, having a platform and you know, when people know your storytelling ability, yeah, it opens up all those kind of experiences for you. So, of course, that's that's a very rewarding part of what I do. But also being my own boss and yeah. being a digital nomad and um, having, you know, I work from home or I work on my mobile. Um, so, you know, when you have those skills and a bit of tech, you, you, you know, you take your work with you. So, yeah, it's one of the best things I've done. It's, it's really opened a lot of opportunities for me. I mean, blogging generally, whether you're a travel blogger or not, can really yeah. open up and, avenues. Yeah. And I, prior to this interview, I was impressed by the research I made on you. You have skills in reporting, report writing and proposal writing. So that does help you with your blog. Um, and then it also goes down to what people are using actually today because I feel like there's a lot of tools we can use we had come as far as most rewarding so why wouldn't you take a scenario that you had a challenge with power good cutout the internet didn't work for some 10 minutes and you working in the travel space with digital you wouldn't be able to share your blog without the internet what kind of challenges have you found in this space <laughs> Yeah, VPN, which is is you still have to use to access Facebook. I thought it was going to be removed. You were saying before, you know, like what are the barriers to tourism development in this country? And my biggest, most engaged audience is on Facebook, so I have to use VPN to access Facebook, like almost every other Ugandan does, including those that work in government. Um, and it's just really it's just outrageous it's really yeah. unfair I put mm. so much personal time energy and money into promoting Uganda as a tourism destination um and it's made as difficult as possible for us and it's and it's not just that you have to use this software to access Facebook it's just that it means all the targeting doesn't work because I'm trying trying to target like say people in tourism who work in Uganda but according to the VPN software they're based in another country so yeah. it means we have to rethink our strategies mm. so um that's that's a real challenge um anyway I've got that off my chest I I have to say sometimes I I just want to bang my head against the wall I'm like why well, don't want to do digital in a developing country with the challenges that we have like having this really nice conversation and suddenly goes silent but, but it is I, I think if you look back 10 years there there are definitely more options because it, you know you can have a plan b now you, you know if you're if you're doing a live demo you can have other networks available um mm. and I think our, I think our expectations are higher I think we're more ambitious you know I, I did a training last week where we had somebody speaking live from Cape Town mm -hmm. at our 
desk, our venue in Kampala, and that was really exciting. And then we had we had Zoom sessions and we had breakout rooms on Zoom. So um, so digital is you know keeps on evolving and it's really jumped ahead during the pandemic, hasn't it? And so we we you know we're all doing a lot of training and selling and learning online, and 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 we actually include it in our digital marketing now because. Um, not only is it a way to learn, but it's a way to connect with your customers on a deeper level. If, if you're selling a safari, you know, it's it's a really expensive product. And I know a lot of Ugandans think, you know, people in the West have a lot of money, but still they have to save and they have to plan for, you know, a once in a lifetime trip, like coming to see the gorillas. And they don't just wake up in the morning and book a safari. You know, it can take up to a year to plan a trip like that because you'll be do, doing your bit of research on um you know, with blogs and various sites, uh, booking.com, we'll be talking to different tour operators. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Zoom and how actually clients can use it as, as a selling tool now. So because, because a safari is an expensive service or holiday, if yeah. you can talk to your clients, um, you know, be, go beyond email, if they can actually see your face and see yeah. your body language and, and meet the people they're going to be doing, having their holiday with and spending their money with, um, I think it can be really reassuring, actually, because Uganda is really unknown, mm. actually, as a destination. Um, if you want to go on safari, there are half a dozen countries that people will name first before Uganda. Um, and they're countries that are more that, that their tourism infrastructure is more developed and their economies generally are. So, you know, people need a bit more reassurance when they come here. Mm. Um, so if you can actually kind of meet the person that you're emailing and that's doing the itinerary in the hotel bookings for you. I think it's a differentiator actually. So um, I think that's quite exciting development. We we wouldn't have done this two or three years ago even. It would have been a bit bit daring to suggest you have a Skype call with your client overseas. But now we just like, yeah, straight away. Yeah, let's Zoom. Do it, yeah. Yeah. And there you have more time to justify your, um, your value for the money, you know? you can then explain better or they can see you and say okay or then give a give a virtual tour or yeah show show all these things that they would not normally get in an email or a message so i completely agree with you i'm really crazy about birds and when i'm when i'm up country on the edge of kibali forest especially during lockdown i would to try and keep myself motivated I, i would go for a walk every morning along the forest edge and yeah. I would send little audio notes home to my family just to check mm-hmm. on them. And they'd all say, oh, it sounds so tropical there. You know, you sound like you're in the jungle. And yeah. um, you know, great blue tarako, sometimes they're monkeys. So if you could have, you know, like if you're selling Uganda as a tourism destination and you have a yeah. phone call with somebody or a Zoom meeting and they hear some of the yeah. background noises, sometimes it's a cockerel. I had a Zoom session the other day. We had, you know, somebody was next to a lake um, in, uh, in Toro region and he had goats walking past. And it was quite funny, actually. I mean, you might say it's not very professional, but actually, you know, we work in tourism and it's really nice to get insights into people's real lives, you know. And it makes it a thing. So, um, absolutely. And, and and this is one of the really nice trends to come out. People want to connect more with real people. Yeah. Um, they want authentic experiences. They don't need overproducing, you know. Like now, look at TikTok, 15-minute videos that we make on our phones. We don't have a director. We don't spend weeks 
scripting it and editing it we just show something real and like you say authentic um given your position and your experience in working with Ugandans Ugandans don't always notice them and appreciate them but um this country is incredibly gifted with nature I know it's um it sounds like a cliche but it's it's very true the the diversity here and the fact it's it's so accessible and on your doorstep is Mm. is something quite amazing to to a lot of people uh, people like me yeah. Um, especially if you lived in a small apartment in a big city like London. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, it's grey half the year, the leaves come off the trees for like six months of the year, everything's grey. And then you come here and it's like sunny nearly every day. It's always green. There's this, this gorgeous backdrop of, of bird noises. It's it's it really lifts your spirits. And isn't it didn't uh, UTB hire um PR agencies to uh, market Uganda abroad? Yeah, they did. They had PR companies in uh, UK and Ireland, in the US and in Germany and uh, one or two other German speaking countries. Um, And they did create a lot of good noise around Uganda as a tourism destination. I don't Mm. think their contracts were renewed. Um, I, I think that's a shame because you know when you do PR like you're a PR professional yourself you don't have it's a long-term view you know you can't just increase sales overnight and as I get as I was saying before safari is a big item to sell it takes a year because it can even take 18 months for somebody to make this kind of booking so you, you first need to raise awareness around the destination mm-hmm. um, people have a lot of questions how safe is it what is there to do is it okay for kids what injections do I need? And that's before the pandemic. So um, there's a lot that people want to know. Um, so I've, I've seen a lot of the output. I've seen some really well-written articles from those PR companies. That, that some Ugandans were complain, complaining that, oh, why weren't we using PR companies managed by Ugandans to do this work? Oh. But PR company, the imp- one of the important things about PR company is it has networks, you know. So they, if you want to get British people to come, you need British journalists to write articles for British newspapers from Uganda because they don't have those networks. They can't speak to a British person the way a British person will speak to a to a British person. Yeah, and it's same like a Ugandan knows what a Ugandan wants to see yeah. at the breakfast table, in the bedroom, like what you expect in terms of facilities in your in your house or your apartment when you go on holiday. You mm. know what kind of activities your children want to do. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean it's it's human nature, isn't it? You relate most easily to someone who is is like you yeah okay so um given the experience that you have in conservation and um, environmental issues how would you advise on policies to sort of help the industry recover well from environmental point of view i'd say please think carefully about the environment before you start building please don't cut down trees i yeah. see so many people who cut down trees build and then replant it's not the same yeah an old tree has um is a whole ecosystem in itself and you may not see much on it but there's like a hundred species of insects which um support bird life and, and so on and these small trees don't have that they take decades to have that kind of biodiversity and also big trees have shade. Um, global warming around, you know, like Fort Portal, for example, uh, the climate's increased by 2% over the last 20 years just because of cutting trees. So um, we really need to stop cutting trees. We need to plant more, but please stop cutting these big trees. 
Um, I am very strong environmental issues. I wish all of us would stop using single-use plastic. I mean, it's great to recycle, but it's even better if we don't use plastic in the first place. And that goes for plastic straws as well. Like, you know, we need to stop using plastic straws. There are paper ones. There are ones that you can wash or we just manage without a straw. It's, it's a yeah. small thing. Because all this rubbish, we, we don't see it, but a lot of it's ending up in the seas, even from Uganda. There are huge problems with plastic pollution. It's now getting into the food chain and most fish in the ocean now have tiny particles of plastic in them. And, and we are surprisingly part of that problem. Um, yeah. I'd also say that there's a lot of people who, who talk about ecotourism in Uganda and aren't doing it. They think eco means that you go and see a bit of wildlife or you're out in the country. That is not what eco is. Eco means respecting animals, which means if you go and track the, the gorillas or the chimps, that you have to be at least 10 metres from them. These our, our closest cousins are extremely vulnerable to all kinds of diseases and particularly COVID. So, you know, if, if, if one of the gorillas got COVID, mm. it could wipe out all the gorillas or the chimps equally. Well, basically the same reasoning that the gorillas would still get infected with COVID. Well, my closest relatives are the chimps. It's We are 97.8 or 98.7% the same, same DNA. And um, we, gorillas are, you know, something like 95% the same as us. So they, they can catch it. They can catch human colds and flu and so on. And uh, Dr. Gladys Kalema Zikusoka, who you might know, who is uh, the head of conservation through public health, has, has studied this carefully over the years. Um, gorillas were catching human diseases. They were catching scabies from, from clothes um, from the villagers. So it's a very real threat. The gorilla tracking and chimp tracking was closed for several months. Um, but now when you go tracking, you have to wear you have to wear a mask as soon as you enter the forest. So even if you have to walk for an hour or more, you have to wear the mask the whole time because mm. you never know you, you, you're the droplets, um, if you have the virus, you know, they could, in theory, drop on some vegetation that the gorilla could then pick up. Um, and then when you're actually with the primates that whole hour, they're actually in their presence, you have to put on a clean mask as well. Mm. Um, and you're supposed to be at least 10 metres away from them. And if the animals come towards you, you're supposed to back away. There is a rigorous set of um, rules in place for tracking the primates. And I'm going to be writing another blog about that soon, actually. We're not sticking to those rules and we need to. We reopened the gorilla tracking and the chimp tracking because they are hugely important for our tourism industry. So... Um, you know, Uganda Wildlife Authority lost massive amounts of money and mm. poaching went through the roof during during lockdown. Um, and, and it's their quickest and easiest way to, to earn money is to resume gorilla tracking. So mm. um, but it's a bit of a high risk strategy. Yeah. And I saw a devastating picture of 15 giraffes having died in the savannah, I think in Kenya. Do we have Animal I, I don't really know much about that. There is a drought in Kenya at the moment, isn't there? Well, I mean, it's there's often a drought in Kenya. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw that people were bringing in trucks of water. Mm. So, um, but I don't know much about these specific giraffes. Yeah. Oh, Charlotte, you, you're passing such invaluable um, detail here, but I know we could go on and on. Um, I just have one last question for you. And this is the golden one we like to ask every other guest that comes onto the podcast. How do you think that tourism or the tourism sector can really help you going to achieve the middle class economy of 2040? You know, the talk about the middle class status, we're going to achieve it then. What will it take for us to get 
it there, the tourism sector plays its role? Well, like I was saying, it's really exciting that we have been developing the Uganda, the domestic tourism market, regional tourism as well is is popular. Kenyans love coming to Uganda, Mm. Um, but international tourism from further overseas, with tourists who have bigger budgets, is is still really important and we still really need to encourage that and push that because it was the number one foreign revenue earner pre-COVID. And at that point in time, 2018, 2019, um, tourism employed one in 10 people, which is absolutely incredible and it's Mm. you know it's not just people in um people who work in a lodge but it's actually the guy on the border border who delivers tomatoes to the lodge so you know that the the the, uh, trickle down effect of tourism is is massive but international visitors have certain expectations um and to meet those we need to train our staff in uganda um not just in customer service but you know general professional skills so i think that's really important because if we can lift up the customer service skills in hospitality um Mm -hmm. then that can help impact the rest of society um yeah. and also you know when I say international visitors I also include Africans I mean I've got lots of Kenyan and Nigerian friends and they travel a lot and they have very high expectations when they travel yeah. I've seen I've seen friends from Nairobi come here and they they say to the waitress you know come on I ordered 10 minutes ago where's my beer um, <laughs> no, it's very disappointing sometimes when we go to like five-star hotels and the service you get is like for one-star hotel I definitely yeah. agree with you people need to up their skill I remember the um, Poate of 2020 at, at the start before lockdown, they were mm-hmm. about opening our, our training school, a hospitality training facility in Jinja. There is Institute in Jinja and it's actually been there for many years, um, yeah. and, but they are rebuilding it and they're in, reinvesting in it. Okay. Um, but I'm not actually sure what stage that is. I, I've been working with... Um, an organization called the Rwenzori Tourism Academy and recently the Karamoja Tourism Academy. And we work with businesses in those particular region and we, we get young people, particularly who have, um, you know, the, the waitresses, for example, um, and we give them a lot of those basic hospitality skills. And I'd also like to mention the Ukarimu app. Uh, Ukarimu is uh, a Swahili for hospitality and it's an app that's free to download on Android um, and free free to anyone and it gives you some really good customer service training um, and it's it we encourage staff to use it because they can download it once on their phone and then you don't need data anytime you access it um, and that's a nice little training I remember those guys at that conference in Munyonyo. I think at the time it had just started, so they were looking for support from um, the tourism stakeholders. But yeah, thank you so much for your time, Charlotte. I'm going to put your bio, Twitter and LinkedIn into the show notes. But um, yeah, what should we look forward to next? I, you said you're going to write a blog soon about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then I get back oh, right yes you know I what do we look for to next that's a good question <laughs> I'm focusing on digital marketing training um currently this I think there's a lot of need and a lot of potential for that in Uganda um, yeah. I'm also trained as a community-based tourism trainer something that I'm very passionate about I'm I've been helping to develop some I mean this I just doing this in a CSR way really I, I'm helping to develop moth and butterfly tourism um, on the edge of Kibali Forest. You know, we're we're packaging some new products um, and training people up there. 
And then, yeah, I'm thinking about a new look for Diary of Mazunga in, in the new year, but um, just all ideas at this stage. So, um, yeah, I invite people to check out the blog, the Facebook page as well. So I'm going to put them in the show notes below. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time. Give us your feedback. We're on Facebook, on Uganda Podcast and Instagram. If you're looking for any other communication solutions or you'd like to be hosted on this platform, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Aggie Patricia Turomwe and Aggie Patricia on Twitter.